Welcome to Wide-Mindedness with Victoria Ball, the podcast in which I interview expert guests who want to join me in celebrating that life is not black and white. Our society is increasingly divided, and the us-versus-them mentality seems to dominate our conversations and relationships with others. I believe that life is much richer when we widen our minds to consider multiple opinions and perspectives. So challenge your assumptions and let's become truly wide-minded together. What Now is a news site that has been launched during lockdown, aiming to offer a wider perspective on current affairs. What Now aims to provide balanced articles which get to the heart of a particular event and also offer a bigger picture view of how that event fits into a wider story. Siblings, Jesse, Sam and Joanna Saunderson, set up the site, writing articles themselves and encouraging others to get involved. Jesse has recently finished a politics and economics degree at the University of York and is now working in finance. Sam is a finalist reading history at the University of Oxford and Joanna has just finished school. Hello, guys. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Hello. Can you just start by introducing yourselves and explaining what you were doing before lockdown set in? Yeah, uh, I, can go, I can go first. Um, I'm Jo and I've just finished um, A-levels. Uh, so finished school and um, just currently relax, press pause, I suppose, uni or gap year next year. <laughs> yeah, I'm Sam. Um, and I was a second year uh, when COVID hit, so I was just a second year at Oxford studying <laughs> history. Uh, but but now, what, four months later, I'm find, find myself about to start third year, um, not knowing what's going to happen next. But uh, so it all seems to be up in the air at the moment. Yeah, I'm Jesse. So I work in finance down in London. So I graduated from York last year, having studied economics and politics. So uh, yeah, when COVID when COVID struck, I I decamped from London, Cambridge with the family. I think you've been very wide-minded as a bunch of siblings because you have launched a new venture in lockdown. What is What Now and what prompted you to launch it? So uh, What Now is a news site recently launched aiming to offer some of the big picture news stories written in a concise, clear and engaging style. And we're hoping to help people stay engaged, gain perspective and think deeper. Um, and essentially, it all kind of started at the beginning of lockdown uh, when I found myself with extra time as A-levels had been cancelled and I didn't have any uni prep. So I started to read the news each morning, which is something I've, I've never done properly before. Um, but I remember finding it uh, difficult initially to know where to start and to actually take anything away from the news I was reading. Um, I was you know, reading a variety of newspapers, Guardian, FT, BBC News, um and slowly I've learned to navigate the newspapers better but it took me a while to be able to successfully find out what was going on from the headlines um and I could imagine if I hadn't had the extra time during lockdown I probably wouldn't have persisted with the challenge and would have returned to my habit of occasionally glancing at the BBC news headlines without digging any deeper um and I think that's one of the places um of inspiration for what now it was um, realising how important it is to not just glance over news headlines, but to dig deeper. So um, it hit me that maybe there was an opportunity to try and help other young people start to read the news and develop interests um, in what's happening in the world. So I went to chat to Jesse, um, my older brother, 
And he um, kind of agreed. Maybe Jesse could share his thoughts or his perspective on that. Yeah, Joanna was reading uh, Becoming, which is the book by Michelle Obama. And we mm-hmm. then sort of off the back of that had some really interesting conversations, particularly around the 2016 uh, US election and you know, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump's campaign and you know everything that sort of surrounded that. And um, you know, I, I then thought we'd sort of run with that uh, theme. So I, I jokingly set Joanna homework where uh, we'd give her some of the, uh, a few of the, you know, a few issues in US politics that she'd then go away and research and talk about the dinner table. And I think things kind of went from there. And then one morning, you know, she was, we were talking and she was saying, actually, you know what, like, I really enjoyed getting into the news, but actually there are so many other people like me, you know, where do you even start? Um, you know, if you look at the news today, you know, either, this, either there are, there are issues that aren't, that don't get touched upon, or actually the issues that do get touched upon, that you know, the way they're covered is so polarised that it's from such an angle to begin with that, you know, you're not really getting a fair and objective uh, view of the situation. So I think from my perspective, I really love news that, you know, is very factual, that is very evidence-based um, and is done in such a way that lets the reader, you know, make up their mind at the end. So that's always something that I've loved with news. And that's not to say that I don't enjoy opinion pa- opinion pieces, but certainly, um, certainly where it's topics that I don't know much about, it's so handy to, you know, when you come across a good article that's well written, that really gives you good, inf- good, you know, good context and good evidence. Mm. Um, and at the end of the article, you know, you've not, they've not forced an opinion on, opinion on you, but rather you can then go away, you know, feeling a bit wiser and actually, uh, you know, with, with an opinion of, you know, one mm. way or another. And Sam, how did they drag you into it? I love talking about these various current affairs, but often um, I'm not always, I'm not as, not as knowledgeable um, necessarily, but, but I like arguing with my siblings, I think particularly. <laughs> and, um, and I love the idea. And I think this, for me, one of the, the big things that, that struck out, as Jesse says, is often modern news doesn't necessarily provide a, a good context to the, to the events that are being discussed. Um, and so one of the things that we, we talked about was offering sort of a big picture. So um jesse for example wrote a brilliant article on on actually what trump has done in the last four years and and has not tried to sort of offer many opinions on whether these things are good or bad but really just to summarize actually what has he done economically what has he done with regards to foreign foreign policy has he done what he said he'd do and actually if you look at many of our you know the news websites that are popular at the moment it's actually quite hard to find something like that that's going to summarize for example what trump has done in the last four years you can find out what he's in the last week but but it's harder to to actually find out useful information for for something like that I and mean, i think that was a, a a big part for me was actually offering sort of a wider context with which we see the world mm. and that's i suppose why it really resonated with me because um you know it, it fits into for, to my mind this idea of wide-mindedness that to understand something we sometimes have to look a bit more broadly and look mm. at things from different angles um you talk about comprehensive simplicity you mentioned it there joe what do you mean by that and how do you think we can explain a complex world in a simple way mm. well <laughs> it's a tricky question um, I think for us, this idea of, of comprehensive simplicity is sort of about balance. Um, and obviously, there are constraints on on achieving this balance, particularly within a sort of news context. But I think in trying to be comprehensive, um, we want as far as we can to provide relevant and important information on, on the subject areas that we're talking about. Um, and inevitably, with any sort of short form article format, you're sort of limited in how much you can write and how much detail you can include. But we want to at least sort of raise the various issues and perspectives and sides of the topics that we're discussing, uh, which doesn't always happen, I think, in modern news. Um, And with regards to simplicity, 
we want to, I guess, convey the information that in, in a format and a structure um, that is the simple and sort of easy to navigate. Um, and we try and contextualize our articles. Many include sections about the historical background of the topics we're discussing. Um, I mean, I had a look at a Guardian uh, article earlier today uh, on the Igbo Muslims uh, in China, and it brilliant article and, and was really interesting. But really, if I if I didn't know anything before about the Igbo Muslims, I really struggled to have learned much because actually so much of it was based on my own prior understanding. Um, and though it was interesting, actually, it sort of needed more. And I guess that's sort of where we wanted to come in with comprehensive simplicity. Um, and I think mm. you're right. It's a tricky balance to achieve. Sort of li we live in a complex world and we can't just make things simple. Um, but I think there are patterns we can identify and there are certain you know, phenomena that, that are perhaps more significant um, or that we can at least note and, and, and share with people. But, uh, you know, undoubtedly it is hard. Um, I think journalism is, is sort of as much about communication as it is about research. And so we want to communicate this sort of complex world in a way that can be understood and grappled with. And I think that's particularly relevant, as Joanna says, to people of our generation, actually. It's not just taking all this detail and all this facts and giving it to people. Actually, it's a way of, you know, presenting it as well, presenting information in a way that, that you know, contextualizes um, certain events that offers historical context that, uh, provides actually a, an explanation of the different sides. Well, you know, a great article that, that was uh, written for us a few a few weeks ago was on topple the racists. Basically, should should we be removing these statues? Mm -hmm. So good because actually it offered both sides of the argument and actually explained what both sides were saying. Um, and mm -hmm. I think you don't necessarily uh, get that the whole time. Um, no, and I think as well, you're right that a lot of modern media channels um, are very much, you know, super short statements that don't actually encourage discussion. They're kind of mm -hmm. a statement that's been put out there and it doesn't really encourage dialogue. It's it's almost a sort of a stance that then people feel they have to defend. And it's almost like it's a crime if they um, reassess or change mm -hmm. their mind. Mm -hmm. um, how do you decide what issues you are going to cover in what now? So, yeah, so I, sp I suppose we're trying to cover a wide we you know we've just started so we haven't covered it everything so far but we're trying to cover you know the big topics um the the articles i've written i'm thinking of topics that are really crucial to what's going on now and what is going to happen in the future but actually the topics that my eight you know people my age don't know that much about so for example i've, I've written two articles on the situation in hong kong and I think many of my friends have probably seen the news headline that Beijing has imposed a new national security law on Hong Kong, but far fewer would have a, uh, any idea of why that's significant for Hong Kong and actually why it's significant for the rest of the world. It's so easy to look at something. It might it might get, you know, two minutes on the six o'clock news. But unless you really understand in that case about you know, the history of Britain's involvement in Hong Kong, what China's political stance is, it's just doesn't really make sense that that story it's kind of without any context alongside the big picture ideas we you know each day we also um, provide a day-to-day -day update so um, it's that idea of as well as trying to gain perspective and look at the broader topics we also it's also important to see what's going on each day um, and how's that feeding into the mm. you know bigger events that are happening but Jesse what were you going to say very much in conjunction with what Joanna's saying we also want to be a platform where, you know, anyone can write, but also, you know, anyone can bring, I suppose, what they're passionate about. That as Sam said, you know, communication is so fundamental to the way 
uh, in which news media works. And actually, there are so many issues that just don't, you know, don't even feature as a footnote um, on a media website. But actually, if someone's passionate about it, if they're willing to take the time to do the research, to provide context, then, you know, we want to provide a platform for that. And I think there are, I suppose, what the remarkable thing with, you know, with social media over the last few years is it has given this wide platform to anyone, you know, for anyone to post about anything. Um, so, you know, so there are so many issues today that don't really get the airtime they deserve. You know, with if it's Yemen, it's the worst, you know, humanitarian crisis in the world right now. Does that get the uh, the airtime that it deserves? You know, if we're talking about Venezuela and actually the biggest refugee crisis that LATAM has ever seen. Does that get the airtime that it necessarily deserves? Um, and I think certainly we want to be a platform where people can bring those passions, bring those interests um you know and put it put it before an audience and hopefully sort of drive drive interest um and hopefully inspire people i suppose to get clued up on these issues these issues that we don't necessarily know about and that don't necessarily make you know the top uh, 10 most read uh, articles on the bbc um mm. you know, very you know very often at the moment you know it's about whatever trump's tweeted as sam said or it's about covid-19 and not to say those issues aren't important they absolutely are but there are so many other issues in the world that I don't think receive the airtime that they should be getting. And do you write the articles yourselves or do you invite contributors? I think all of us quite enjoy writing articles. Uh, we sort of come mm. from a humanities background. Um, so that is something that we've all enjoyed doing. Um, and I think we've all written a few, bar Sam, who's, uh, we've yet to see him, we get to see him sort of whip out his, uh, his humanities skills, which uh, should be on display <laughs> given his degree and where he's studying it. Mm. Um, but I, but I think as well, one of the things we're really big on is um, I think the best way. I think there's an inherent bias in whatever we write, and I think we'd be we'd be foolish not to acknowledge that. But I think one of the one of the best things I ever heard was that um, you know if you provide a platform that uh, that's open to anyone, um, you know, and anyone can write, um, you know, provided it is obviously true and factual and well researched. That actually, if someone writes something that you disagree with. Then actually, almost the best way, you know, of, of I suppose of, of trying to find um, sort of balance in society and trying to air different views and find a consensus is to allow someone to to write the retort, and that's I think what we're aiming for. That um, you know we we do acknowledge that obviously it's very hard to achieve um, balance and obviously write stuff that does not have bias. I think it's impossible to do that, and we are cognizant of that. But I think if we open up the platforms that anyone can write then the hope would be that actually you you have such a wealth of articles and ideas that you do end up with a balance at the end. Jesse, you've just been talking about that issue of perspective there, and that is so central to the news that we read or listen to. How do you address um, the, the concern or the issue of perspective in what now? I think there are probably two main ways in which we do that. Um, I think firstly, many of the articles themselves are engaging with culturally and politically significant questions, and they largely contain summaries that, you know, sort of at the very least delve into the different opinions and viewpoints that relate to the question. So that that sort of lens of actually what are the different arguments and opinions within this wider question tries to sort of get that, you know, that perspective, that that sense of wide mindedness. Um, and so, you know, one of our recent articles looked at the arguments for and against removing the statues, as I sort of mentioned, um, mm. and, and that was brilliant. But I think secondly, as Jesse says, um, we are really happy to let you know, different people from from different perspectives, right? Um, and and I think yeah, Jesse's really already said it, but actually we want to encourage people to, to disagree and to disagree well, um, mm. and you know to get in contact with us. It was what really interested me about what now when I when I 
found it. Um, what effect do you think that social media has on us as we form our opinions and thoughts? Yeah, I, I think a massive effect. And I think what's going on with Facebook and Twitter at the moment, I think is so fascinating. Should there be total freedom of speech on a site or should mm. certain things be curtailed? We're seeing, we're seeing the fruits born out ultimately of, um, of a site where the algorithms, where it dri- inherently drives divisiveness. That, you know, when someone mm. puts up something that is fair and balanced, it doesn't, I think the, the truth is we do, it doesn't gain as much traction as, you know, as someone who puts up an outrageous comment. You know, it gets a ton of you know, likes and it gets a ton of sort of angry, uh, angry reacts and it gets a ton mm-hmm. of comments and the algorithms, you know, therefore boosted up the site. Um, and that's the thing that sticks in people's minds. Another perspective to Jesse's um, thoughts is I think during the Black Lives Matter movement, we did see that social media can be a platform for um, young people's voices. I know my Instagram feed was filled with articles people had posted on racism its history um, what's happening today in the UK and the US and I think whatever your view is on on that and the use of social media to support the Black Lives Matter movement you can't disagree with the fact that it has prompted young people to find out what is actually happening um, and to develop their own thoughts on that we did see social media being used um, you know brilliantly uh, during the last month and I hope that moving forward young people um, who want to raise their voice on particular issues um, happening today that they will use social media in the way that it has been used. That's an example of what now and wide-mindedness in action right there. There are always two sides to a story. I want to ask what's it like uh, being back together for lockdown and working together on a new venture? Uh, It's been really fun. Um, I think it's just been nice engaging certainly with Joanna and Sally. It's been nice engaging with the news I think in 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 a greater depth. Um, I think we've had some really interesting debates around the dinner table. I think there is a demand for, you know, for a media that is that is better, you know, you know, for want mm. of a better word, for a media that is that is fairer, that isn't driven by sort of, you know, the desire for internet traffic or with sort of clickbait headlines. Um, and I think, you know, media that casts the light on on issues that are untouched, but issues that are equally important. Um, so mm. I think I, I, I very much hope know whether this succeeds or not that actually you know that we would have started a conversation that will hopefully stick in people's minds and i love that it's come very obviously from this idea of you guys sitting around the dinner table debating you know you're all slightly different ages you've presumably been chatting with your parents too also your younger brother this idea of intergenerational different experiences and different backgrounds coming together and all sharing a view on a news story and really as i understand it that's what you're trying to do with what now so It's sort of been born out of this period, if you like. Is there anything that uh, you three have learned during lockdown that you would like to take with you after this? Any life lessons that you think young people generally could learn and take away from this period? The lesson I've learned is just how important it is to think a bit deeper about the world around you. Like to look up from um, the bubble Mm -hmm. that you're in and see what's happening in the wider world and actually, you know, why, why we should care. And, my, you know, my point is that I think young people have a tendency to just think about what's in front of them. But it's so crucial to, you know, look around you and see how um, what's going on in different parts of the world is affecting us and, you know, will, will matter to what for our futures. I totally agree. So I suppose for better or worse, you know, COVID-19 really has, you know, it's highlighted the fragility of life that actually, you know, the very things that we sort of hold, you um, 
you know, he holds his constants, aren't always constants. And actually, I, I think it's led to some amazing conversations with friends about life, death, religion, politics. Um, and that's something I want to keep on doing. And that's something that I want to, you know, provoke in our generation, you know, these conversations about deeper issues, um, about issues that we don't talk about enough. Um, and I think it's been amazing seeing the reaction with COVID, with the death of George Floyd and the, um, you know, the conversation about race. I think that's truly inspiring to see, um, you know, see people of all generations stepping in, um, you know, where, where there's been a void or perhaps a lack of conversation and really having hard conversations. And that really inspires me. And I very much hope we'll continue to do that because uh, there's certainly a lot of hard conversations I think we as a society need to have. Um, mm. I hope we do continue to have those conversations. Do you think your friends and colleagues are more or less wide-minded than older generations? Great question. I think we like to think we are. I think uh, we desperately like to think that we are more open-minded, that we consider the opinions of... I, I think really what we do is we're a more sympathetic um, uh, generation. And I think what that means is that we increasingly consider the positions of of minorities, of, of people on the fringe of the oppressed, as sort of the Black Lives Matter movement has shown us. But I think what that also means is that that we are often more closed-minded to to people that disagree with us because we because we have such a I think increasingly our generation has such concern for the minorities and the oppressed and, and for those on the fringe that actually we we are less open-minded to those that disagree with us and disagree with our moral systems um, and that and to be honest that maybe is the case for all generations but I, I think I've particularly noticed that with friends and students and, and colleagues as you ask. So finally, in a couple of lines, is this concept of wide-mindedness important to you? And if so, why? I think it's definitely um, important because, yeah, being wide-minded, as we've said, means you're thinking deeper, opening yourself up to more of the world. Not even just seeing someone else's perspective, but actually uh, trying to, you know, recognise that the way I I see the world is actually could potentially be totally different to the way that someone else sees the world. People across the world that have totally different cultural backgrounds to uh, to the one that I do and, and, you know, might see the world far more differently than I, I could even imagine. Um, mm. And I think that's why it's, uh, you know, so important to, to, you know, think more widely. And it's really challenging. I think it's easy to, to consider someone else's opinion when they, they sort of are on the same field of thinking as you. And I can consider someone who's voted for Trump or consider someone who's voted for Clinton, but actually, you know, considering someone who, is currently living in you know China um, in a particular province where you you know don't have access to the same freedoms that we do. That's that's a whole other level of, of wide mindedness, um, which I think we have to sort of challenge ourselves with, and it is tricky, um, but it is important. I think. Yeah, I think you you have to make an active decision to be wide minded, uh, to because it's so easy to look to um, just things that agree with our pre existing views. So we have to continually remind ourselves to challenge your thinking and to. Um, then challenge the thinking of those around you. Thank you so much, uh, Jesse, Sam and Joanna. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And if this is what dinners are like in your house, then I'm just envious that I can't be there with you every evening. It's been my delight to have you here today. Thank you for making the time. Well, thank you, Victoria. Thank you for thank having you. us. It's, it's been a pleasure. pleasure. Thank you, I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Wide Mindedness with Victoria Ball. Help others learn about it by rating, reviewing and subscribing. 
For more great wide-minded content, follow at Widemindedness Victoria Ball on Instagram, at Widemindedness on Twitter, and sign up to the monthly newsletter at victoria-ball.com. <laughs>